You know Ginger Volo from reality TV. She is a daughter of the Duggars, the TLC show, 19 Kids and Counting. And she is here today to talk about her new book, Becoming Free Indeed, which is about disentangling herself, her faith from the principles that she grew up being taught, whether it was extremely strict modesty or different forms of legalism that caused her to live her life in constant fear as an adolescent. She is talking about how the Holy Spirit has sanctified her and used different experiences, conversations, people in her life to show her what the true and liberating gospel is. You are absolutely going to love this conversation. Really interesting, really encouraging. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Ginger, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you. Um, We're going to talk about your new book, Becoming Free Indeed. Um, So just tell us, before we get into all of it, just give us a little summary. What is this book about? Why did you write it? Yeah, thanks for having me, Allie. Um, I'm so glad to be with you. Uh, Yeah, so Becoming Free Indeed is the story of my faith journey. I grew grew up under some harmful teaching that threatened to leave me fearful and confused about who Jesus is. And... This is the story of how I've had to disentangle faith from fear. Yeah. And the dedication says to those who have been hurt by the teachings of Bill Gothard, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, or any religious leader who claimed to speak for a God but didn't. I I don't know who Bill Gothard is. I'm sure a lot of my audience does, but a lot probably don't. Can you just tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, Bill Gothard came on the scene in the 1960s and 70s whenever um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were um, a big concern for parents. Yeah. And he came on the scene saying that he had the answers to life's problems. And he came on saying that if parents followed these principles that he would lay out, that their life would be a success and God would bless their life. But if they didn't, then their life would be one disaster after another. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So he set up all of these guidelines that he thought would keep kids from getting into sin. And parents were looking for answers and thought, well, of course, everybody wants a black and white answer of what that looks like. So he started hosting seminars that filled stadiums across the country. And many people came from all different backgrounds and filled up those stadiums. And then he started after that um, many conferences and programs for kids. People from all different countries would come in to attend. And what were some of the rules or principles that he told parents, you have to abide by these if you want your kid to grow up to, you know, be on the straight and narrow? I think some of the more outward stuff, I mean, a lot of it, most all of it was outward, but it would be like, if you go into debt at all for any reason that God's going to bring destruction on you, if you listen to drums and music, then God will, well, he he would tell crazy stories about like, like a young man who listened to music with drums and was killed in a car accident because he had that on. Um, And 
he would talk about modesty in a way that was outside of the Bible. And he would put on restrictions and specifics of what you had to wear and couldn't wear. Um, and so those types of things is what he based his teaching on. Yeah. And here are some of the things that you listed, which you just said, but putting it in your words in the book, um, fastidiously obeying the modesty guideline. So again, not just modesty, but no shorts or jeans, only dresses, eagerly submitting to the umbrella of authority, any disobedience of parents would place her outside of God's protection, promoting the relationship standard of courtship, avoiding any music with a worldly beat among others. So it's not like these were just hey, you know, these are suggestions that kind of worked in my own life. But this was basically, if you don't follow these things, you are going to fall out of the favor of God and your life will be in turmoil, right? Right, exactly. And I think that that type of teaching, it was so based on fear, superstition, superstition, manipulation and control. So as a kid growing up in that, it was interesting. I really thought that God was either pleased with me because of what I did um, if I followed all the guidelines and if I didn't, I really thought that God was just out to get me. Even as a believer, once I was saved at the age of 14, I knew the true gospel was not by salvation by works, but the way that played out, um, Bill Gothard multiple times would give a scenario and say, well, before you come to Christ, do X, Y, Z. And it was totally wrong, yeah. but I never said that salvation was by works, but I viewed God in that way. Like he's either pleased with me or not pleased with me based on an, a secondary issue, like a, a standard that yeah. this man set up. Yeah. And I know that you say in the beginning that this is not a book and it's not, it truly isn't a book about, um, you know, uh, slamming your family or trying to say that, you don't love your family or your parents didn't go do a good job. But I am curious, like, okay, you didn't pick up a, a Gothard book. So like, how did this teaching kind of infiltrate your life? What did that look like growing up? My parents um, got into Bill Gothard. They were introduced to it as a young couple. And I think since this was all I knew, um, this is how I viewed the world around me was I thought other people outside of Gothard's circle just didn't know the truth. They didn't have the handle on truth and their life wasn't going to be blessed because of it. So I was like, you're just waiting for a disaster to strike in their life because mm -hmm. they're outside of this. And so I would have pity for anyone who had not been exposed to his teachings. So you and, knew his name growing up. It wasn't just that your parents yeah. were saying, okay, this is what modesty looks like etc. You knew they talked about Bill Gothard? Yes. Yeah, so I, I wasn't, um, I guess in the younger years, I kind of just, we would take in all of these teachings. And so it was often what we would watch for church because we were in a home church. Um, and that was a whole nother side. So my parents wanted to give us the best life, which is what I said. This story is my story of how the Lord has led me to where I am theologically out of that um, harmful theology, but my parents did teach me the gospel. They shared with me about salvation um, not being by works. And even though it was more like decision-based, you pray a prayer and you're saved, they still really sought to point us kids to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm so grateful for that to this day. And at the same time, I would say the theology 
of that and being in a place where we thought, okay, well, we have to start a home church because no one is believing the exact same things we do in every place. So we can't go to a normal church, so-called normal. Um, we need to start our own. So we would watch a lot of Bill Gothard's seminars. Um, he has like 60 plus hours of these specific seminars to like learn his teachings. We would watch those a lot of Sundays for our um, sermon. Mm -hmm. And so that is the teaching I grew up under. I would go to his conferences, his seminars, his girls retreats, um, yeah. all of that I attended. So I knew very well where the teachings came from. And I knew Bill Gothard personally as well. Hmm. And I want to get more into that, but I also want to get into some of the chapters that you talked about, because you really do back up and give some context about, it's not really just about Gothard's teachings. It's also about kind of growing up in front of the camera and how all of that kind of led you to where you are now. Your first chapter talks about um, kind of being in a fishbowl and the story, which I did not know that someone stole your diary when you were little from your house, tried to sell it for a hundred thousand dollars. I just can't imagine as like a little girl. I mean, I'm sure there was nothing really, but like, you know, you're writing in a way that you feel like it's very vulnerable. I think when you're a little and someone steals that and threatens to make it public. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, being in such a public place is interesting um, for an adult, but then even more so for kids because that's all I knew. I grew up yeah. on TV. My family had a TV show, reality TV show, um, from the age of 10 um, all the way up until just a couple of years ago it ended. So most of my life was spent on TV, and that um, it definitely shaped the way I viewed people too, because I think whenever my diary was stolen um, from my room, somebody had visited our family and taken it. I share more about this in the book. It was crazy. Like it disappeared from my nightstand. So they went into my nightstand and took it. Wow. And that really made me think, oh, maybe not everyone's has my best interest in mind. And I, we had so graciously welcomed this guest into our home for all day. Um, and it really was interesting because I thought, why would somebody do that? Like, I thought that people were nice and, um, but being in the public eye like that, it definitely made me more guarded. And I thought now I feel like I can't trust a lot of people. Um, and so that was definitely a challenge as a young kid. Yeah. And so that was actually my mistake. That was actually in chapter two, but it does kind of all fall under the same thing. Like you are being so publicly scrutinized. How, um, how old were you when, um, did, I think it started, was it, did it start as 19 kids and counting? So it started with a couple of, um, pilot like documentaries, 14 okay. kids and pregnant again. Oh, um, that's how okay. it started. And then that was when I was 10. So a couple oh, documentaries. Wow. The reality show started later, um, mm. but still all of those years we were on TV. And so, um, and also another side fact, we didn't watch TV. We didn't have TV in the home. So yeah. it was like we were on TV, but we didn't really know like what it was, what people were seeing. So you, you know, you're videoing, you know, you're giving this footage, but it wasn't until years later where my mom couldn't go through the store without getting stopped at every turn and just basically like 
she would sometimes say, how about you guys go into the store, get the groceries, because she knew it would take her an hour or an hour and a half to get through. Because people would be stopping her. Or stopping her. And that was at the height of the show, for sure. But we started realizing, okay, this is this is not just um, this footage is going out and then it's coming back and we're like, oh, no one really sees it. Like we didn't even know the scope of like the reach of the show until that point. All right, quick pause from that conversation. As you can see in here, I am doing these ads from home because I am under the weather, so bear with me. But that does not dampen my enthusiasm for this first sponsor at all. And that is Adele Natural Cosmetics. I love this company so much. And I love all of their products. They are a family-run, holistic, handcrafted, toxin-free cosmetic company. They make all of their products in the U.S. They care about their ingredients. They care about the health of their customers. And that's why they're so careful about everything they put into their skincare and into their cosmetics. I use their skincare routine every day. Keeps my skin nice and moisturized. Plus, I love the people that own it. They are Christians. They're pro-life. It's super high-quality stuff and high-quality people. So it's just a good deal all around. Go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com and use promo code Allie for 25% off your first order. That's adelnaturalcosmetics.com, promo code Allie. You'll get 25% off your first order, A-D-E-L, naturalcosmetics.com, code Allie. Were you surprised when you were 10 or a little older than that, I guess, when it kind of became big, that your parents decided to be a part of a television series, just given that you guys didn't watch TV? Yeah, it definitely was something that I remember we prayed about as a family. Um, and we didn't know what reality TV was. Like yeah. I said, we watched TV. So we had a certain level of understanding being in the public space because my dad was in politics. He served two terms in um, the house. And so we were used to that life in a sense, like going in out Arkansas into Arkansas State House, right? Yes. So we were... Um, at the Capitol all the time. There were reporters there as there always are just for political stuff. And they would sometimes take pictures, but it was on such a smaller scale. So whenever my parents prayed about that, they said they wanted to share this message with the world that children are a blessing from God. And um, so that's why they decided to start the show was as a ministry at that point. Gotcha. And then I'm sure that they didn't even have the vision to see how much it would grow and kind of the position that it would put, you know, a lot of their kids in and just kind of being scrutinized, having your diary potentially sold on eBay. And you talk about how in the second chapter, I guess the combination of kind of feeling like you're in a fishbowl and then also a lot of the principles that you had been raised with this kind of legalistic, if you don't do this, this bad thing will happen to you created just like a spirit of fear in you. That's how you characterize yourself primarily as just a fearful young girl. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Walking through my younger years, I remember 10, 11, 12, I struggled so much with fear to the point where I would get up so many times in the middle of the night and I would go to my parents' room Mm -hmm. and they were always so gracious to um, spend time talking with me, even if it was in the middle of the night and seeking to pray with me, point me to God's word. I just didn't know where those fears were coming from and what they were based in, why they wouldn't go away. 
and that was before I was genuinely a believer. I prayed a prayer at the age of six with my sister who had just committed her life to Jesus. She just prayed a prayer. So I just did the same thing. And I didn't even think about that um, throughout the coming years until I was faced with all of this fear. And then it kind of was, it just shook me because I thought, why am I so fearful? If I'm, if I already prayed that prayer, I shouldn't be scared. What were you fearful of? Just kind of everything? Fearful of everything around me. And my view of God, I think at that point was one based on, um, stepping outside of the box. Like if I step outside of this box, God's going to, he's going to take his hand off of me or smite me. I can't step outside of this box of authority at all, or I'm opening myself up to the devil's attacks. So I viewed life like that. And it wasn't until the age of 14 where I was genuinely converted. And I remember very well talking to my mom again for like, all those months leading up to it, I had talked to her. But at that point, the Lord opened my eyes to show me that I can't perform and I can't continue to try to please God by my good works. And so I was so broken. I I was like a good kid in a sense, like I didn't get in trouble a lot. I didn't push, you know, any mm-hmm. boundaries. But, um, the Lord just exposed to me my heart. And I've been trying to like read the Bible, trying to do all these things, but I had no heart for it. I I didn't love God. So the Lord changed my heart at that age. And then those years following, my love for God grew and my fear of death vanished. But what happened was my perspective on why those fears were there um, fears of like, okay, should not, should I now stay at home and read my Bible? And go out to play sport with my siblings, even though I already read my Bible for like an hour that morning, I would start to become terrified thinking, I don't know what God expects of me. I want to honor you, God, but what do you expect of me? Why can't I figure this out? So I remember multiple times because of the umbrella of authority, Bill Gother would teach, like you have to stay under your parents' authority. They are basically like I guess you'd say almost like a priest, right? Like there, you go to them to confess every little sin, every little detail of your sin, um, and then God will forgive you. So mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I, I kind of had this perspective of like, okay, well, if I think I'm supposed to stay home and read my Bible, if I think I'm supposed to fast today, which would come up like often, I yeah. kept thinking, I don't know, God, what do you want? What do you want? I would go to my mom and dad and say like, they, they noticed like, why aren't you going to broom ball? It was my favorite sport. And I finally told him, I was like, I don't, I think I might be supposed to ho- stay home and read my Bible. Like, I don't know what to do. My dad would pause and he said, no, I want you to come with us. That totally took away that fear because I thought now I'm obeying my authority. So God's going to protect me. I'm not going to die in a car accident on the way there yeah. because I'm, um, my dad gave me permission. So it was that type of fear that really, um, kept my heart in a place that wasn't good because I really genuinely as a believer wanted to know the word of God, love the word of God, please God in everything. And yet I had an unhealthy view of who God was. Mm, Yeah. And you also talk about um, an eating disorder and just like hearing kind of your mentality. One, I can like, I can really relate to it in so many 
in so many ways, like growing up in the church, I didn't have the same kind of principles taught to me and things like that. But just as a young person trying to like navigate the will of God and am I really saved? And was that prayer that I prayed seven times when I was eight years old? Like, did that really count? Like, I totally get all of that. But it's also making me wonder if that kind of like mentality is kind of what exacerbates or enables things like eating disorders. I also struggled with one when I was in college. You struggled with one too. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that and just kind of what you think led you there. I think um, for me, it was probably more so comparing myself with other people and not feeling good enough, wanting to be accepted, um, wanting to be pretty. And I was already thin. And so it wasn't like, I mean, naturally, I wasn't probably going to gain all of this weight, even though I thought I was. And it was something that I was so afraid because I think when I opened up to my mom, I started talking to her and I said, I'm struggling with this. Like I would try to get up as late as I could sleep in as long as I could. So I could skip a meal and eat as little as I could at a meal because I didn't want to get fat. And I talked to my mom who had also, um, she shares this story. She had struggled with an eating disorder. And so she started talking with me, um, about my view of even myself. Like I, I just would compare myself to other people all the time. She helped me work through that, prayed with me and also, um, helped me with accountability. So I was grateful for that because she would be like, text me what you eat, text me what, you know, um, you're doing. And it was so helpful. And at the same time, I see like, man, I don't know exactly how I got to that place, but definitely focusing on myself and what others thought of me instead of what God thinks of me and how he made me and created me to be. um, That's what I think led me there um, is the fear of man. And tell us a little bit more about how that kind of affected your life. This idea that I can't do anything outside of kind of reading my Bible unless my parents go tell me to do it. So I can't have fun unless my parents go like, what did that look like? And kind of how long did that season last for you? It's hard to say exactly how long it lasted because it felt like it was such a long season. Uh, Looking back, I just remember multiple times, like my grandma was always about going out to thrift stores and I would want to go with her, but then I would be like, no, maybe I should stay home because I have a feeling Mm -hmm. everything, you know, like I lived by my emotions Mm -hmm. and my relationship with God, which is not healthy because I think whether I was trying to make a decision about whether or not I should spend this time working out or if I should go and spend time with my siblings, play with them. Um, I would put so much guilt on myself because of a feeling instead of basing my, my life on the word of God and going to God's word and saying, okay, my emotions will go up and down, but God's word will never change. So of course I want to be in the word of God, but I'm not going to sit here for three hours every day reading my Bible because that's just not healthy. And so, um, I think some of that, like my siblings probably would look back at that and say, oh yeah, we remember ginger in that season. Um, I was just trying to be like all spiritual, even with my words, I would try not to laugh because I thought, oh, maybe that's not so spiritual. Mm. And it was whatever I felt is what I tried to act out and live. Um, And looking back, I'm like, oh man, I would tell my younger self, 
like, okay, you're not even living out the word of God because I don't, I'm not doing the one another's yeah. <laughs> if I'm just at home. How am I going to share the gospel with my friends at Broomball if I'm sitting at home reading my Bible 24 seven and not speaking to my siblings, not helping with housework, whatever it is, you know, it's not what God has called us to do. Yeah. And I can see that fear would kind of motivate you so scared to fall outside of like God's favor or what you believed was like the tiny circle of acceptability to God. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know that reading the Bible is good. And so, you know, I'll just stick with that. But you're right. You miss out on like so much growth and so much pleasure and so many Mm -hmm. good things that the Lord has for us, which I mean, it's a little bit of a tough balance because on the other side of that, there are obviously people who are like, well, I never feel like reading my Bible, so I never do. And, you know, so um, tell us a little bit about like how you figured out, okay, it's not one of these extremes. Like this is what the gospel actually means and this is how you live it. Mm -hmm. I think it came down to once I realized the theology I was in, I think it started to, um, a lot of those external things in my view of God changed, that's when my life began to fall into more of a balance because I wanted to read the word of God because of course I loved God. So I wasn't going to neglect the word of God in prayer because I was a Christian who loves Jesus. You know, and But viewing God as a friend, I think as a believer was something that took me many years to, to start to realize and, and think, okay, I love God. I, I love him. And of course, I want to read the word of God. But if I am allowing myself to be consumed with fear and thinking I can't do anything else outside of that, that's imbalance. And so realizing that um, the word of God is very clear when it speaks about um, things that are even sinful. Right. And I would think, OK, well, is going to burn ball bad because you have unbelievers there or Maybe I'm going to talk to someone who says bad words. Maybe my mind will be polluted. But at the same time, I think once I realized who God is, that he is a loving and kind savior, and he does punish sin because he's a holy God. But as a believer, when I come to him and say, um, like, Lord, forgive me for this sin, like that's how he forgives my sin. It's not by me doing these acts, thinking I'm going to gain favor with God or reading the Bible is going to make me closer to God because of what I've done, mm-hmm. not because of God changing me from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so that was the perspective that took me many years to figure out, but it just happened by reading the word of God and by being in a solid church that taught me that. All right, another break to tell you guys about Eden Pure. This is an air purifier that uses O3 technology to kill viruses and bacteria and bad odors, mold and mildew in your air. Their thunderstorm air purifier is great because it plugs right into the the wall. That's the one that we have. And I love it because I can travel with it. You never know in those hotel rooms that are so musty and gross. You just want to be able to purify your air. And right now you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. You'll get three units for under $200. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in discount code ALLY3 to save $200. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code ALLY3. Shipping is free. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code ALLY3. So when did you start going to that different church? I was in, um, I was in the same church for many years. Uh, with my family. 
And I did not leave until like two weeks before um, I was married. And part of that was due to the authority structure. I felt like I would have been sinning if I did anything different. And I probably, looking back, I probably could have asked my parents, hey, could I go over to my brother-in-law and sister's church, which is an awesome reformed church and solid preaching. But I just, another another layer of that was like, am I going to be under God's authority and protection um, or am I dishonoring God by by doing that? Um, because adult kids, even women can't ever have a job outside the home. You can't um, like well, you can't work outside the home, but you can't live outside of the home either. Until you're married. Until you're married, mm-hmm. then that transfers to your husband. Even if you're 40. No, even if you're 40, you you should remain at home. And mm-hmm. otherwise, it's this umbrella of authority that Bill Gothard taught mm-hmm. is that God is here. He's up here. And then your parents are here and you're below that umbrella. If you come out from under their authority by moving out of the home, by getting a job, then you're opening yourself up to Satan's attacks because you don't mm-hmm. have an umbrella to protect you. So that's what I believed wholeheartedly. And that's why I stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think once I got to a solid church, it was actually my husband, Jeremy, was preaching because he was a pastor. I married a pastor who was pastoring in um, Laredo, Texas. And I went and joined that church. And yeah, there were there. I write more about this in the book, the challenges I had relationally with people just trying to figure out um, how to be real and honest and vulnerable and open up to those people was a challenge. But the word of God that I was hearing was different than what I had heard at my previous church or in Bill Gothard's seminars, because it is the word of God is not based on um, like, oh, I'm just going to go to this to get whatever can help me today. But it's like, what does the word of God actually say? What is the context in this passage? Preaching through the Bible um, from like an expositional standpoint where you're going through verse by verse through the Bible and seeing, oh man, this story is the story of God's work in the world. It's not all about me and like it does affect us and God does use that um, to like show us our need for him, to show us our sin, all these things. But it's amazing the theme of the story being about God and not about like, oh, I'm going to pull out a verse to improve my life for today and then I'm going to move on. That's how I always view the Bible. And so my view of God completely changed once I was in that solid setting. Yeah, and I'm sure Jeremy played a big part in that because he didn't come from your same background, right? Mm-hmm. Jeremy grew up in a reformed home. His dad is a faithful pastor, um, loves the Lord. And so he was raised in that. He did have some years where he um, kind of went off in, in, in the college party scene, lived his life like that, but he knew the gospel and the Lord never let him enjoy any of his sin. So Jeremy came to know the Lord Um and had that foundation of truth and solid teaching that as soon as he was a believer, it was like, oh, I know all these answers because I've been in a solid church since I was a baby. So he came from a a setting where they take the word of God um, and hold it up as the highest authority. And man's traditions and opinions are not important on like these issues where the Bible is silent they're silent. And when no. scripture speaks, they speak. So that's kind of in reference to a lot of different things that Gothard taught, but one of them would be 
like, oh, women can't wear shorts or they can't wear pants. Those were kinds of rules that he imposed on the Bible that aren't aren't really there. And I'm curious, I'm sure like it took a little bit of time to let go of some of those things that had just been a part of your life. So like, what was that like? Even, you know, obviously you're a believer, you're married, you were married to Jeremy and all that good stuff. Your eyes were starting to be opened, but do you feel like it still took time after that to kind of let go of some of those principles you had been taught? Yeah, Ali, I think it was, it was a long process for me because we did start talking about a lot of these things when we were engaged, especially since Jeremy came in, not knowing really anything about my family. He had seen like one or two shows in passing when he was at a friend's house and they turned it on. He was like, and y'all oh, that's met through a friend. Sorry. I just want to like insert y'all met yeah. through a friend, right? Yeah. So my brother-in-law, um, Ben, he met Jeremy okay. at a, a fellowship in Texas and they connected exchange numbers and then they introduced us. Okay. Not really setting us up, but maybe they were setting us up. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. Uh, Yeah, it did work. Right. Um, but Ben and Jeremy, like I saw Ben's family did things differently than us, my brother-in-law. And then Jeremy, when he came on the scene, we started to discuss a lot of these seminars when we were engaged, because my dad said, okay, well, you know, I want you to listen to all these seminars before you get engaged of Bill mm-hmm. Gothard. 60 plus hours, Jeremy was, he started to roll through them. And it was then that he noticed, oh, wait, wait, what, what do these people believe? Because wow. on the out, it looks like Christianity, um, as he would know it, like, it's like, oh yeah, you can do a couple things differently. Like maybe you hold to courtship, or maybe you wear dresses, but like you love Jesus. Yeah. So that's a thing. But once he started to realize the why behind why I did everything that I said was a conviction from scripture, he began to pause these videos. We started watching them together on, um, on like zoom because we were long distance and the Lord used that in such a good way because I was able to sit down play a clip from Bill Gothard where he would say, okay, man does not live by bread alone. And then he would say the next verse. So therefore we need more fiber in our diet. We need all these health things. And he would like jump off on this crazy rabbit trail talking about why we need this specific kind of bread, the specific bread mixer to make our lives pleasing to God. Wow. So I was like, why didn't I ever realize this? Hmm. Why? just seeing this now after going to these conferences every year, listening to these seminars every single year. And then we started going through every area. Like if it was modesty, um, he would go down to some really terrible details we won't talk about, but with that time of the month, this single dude who never had kids, never married, would go into details about- never had kids and never got married? Never. I did not know that, but that kind of honestly makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So he had all the answers to everything, how you were supposed to live your life down to every medical issue that he thought could be caused. Like if you have cancer, maybe you did this. If you have this issue, I have a cure for it. So I started to realize when we were going through those that, wow, this, this guy is not a Bible teacher. Like this is so shocking to me to even question it because Bill Gothard would even say of himself, he would say, once I teach you these um, principles, it would have been better for you not to hear these principles than to hear it and depart from it. Wow. It's like, like a cult. God, I mean, like, it's like a cult leader. 
Yeah, it is. I, you know, I can't say like, oh, it was a cult, but I can say very cult-like in, in nature. And um, kids would be terrified to leave because they thought, well, what is God going to do to me? Even as a believer, like that took time for me to yeah. focus on truth because I would be gripped with fear throughout those um, years of like doing things differently. As I saw it, according to the word of God, my life would change, but I would still be hit and gripped with fear a lot. And so Jeremy was so kind to come along and say, okay, well, here's a text, you know, run to this text and just saturate your mind in the word of God, because that's what is going to release the, relieve the fears. So the Lord was doing a lot of work in those years, but it took so much time to like get to a point where I was, where I had a view of God as a lovingly loving heavenly father, but then also realizing God is just, he does punish sin. But what does that look like in the life of the believer? Like it took me so many years to um, realize that God was a good and loving heavenly father, not waiting to punish me at every turn for some sin. Maybe I forgot to confess a bad attitude. I may have not confessed to God. He wasn't going to just kill me because of that. Right. Wow. What a blessing that your dad told Jeremy that he needed to go through these videos and that you were able to go through them together. I mean, honestly, what an incredible opportunity to go through each teaching you had been taught and for Jeremy to pause and for you to just kind of think about, well, hang on, I always accepted that as true, but maybe it's not really honestly a much more efficient way of going about that than like that kind of process being spread out over many years, even though it did ultimately take a long time still just that kind of concentrated analysis of those principles. That's a pretty amazing thing that God did. It, it was. I look back at that with just such gratitude because I, I, I think, what if we got into those? Like, I don't, I don't think it would have happened because Jeremy's pretty good about like talking through stuff, and he would have initially, like, I mean, he would have eventually got down to like, why do you do what you do? Um, before we were married, but, but the level, like you said, the level of knowledge, like quickly, like, oh, why do you believe this? okay, well, it's in the Bible, Jeremy, it's in the Bible. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's not in the Bible. Mm. It was like the Lord allowed it to be more of a light bulb moment. Like, yeah. oh, wow, I see God's word um, totally different than I did before. And it it was still like something I would come back to Jeremy on a couple of things, even though I saw it in the word of God, I'd be like, well, let me get back to you on that. Like kids was a huge thing because I thought it was abortion to use any kind of contraceptive, like, or any kind any of like, all. yeah, thing, anything. not just hormonal. I, yeah. No, no, no. But just even anything, I thought it was a sin and I was, it was abortion. And so I thought I have to have as many kids as possible. So we talked about that and he was kind of like, Oh, well, of course I love kids. Um, and I was like, I think I do too. But I, I mean, I just thought I was going to have 19 kids. And yeah. so one took me more time because it was so big in my mind. And then clothing, like I remember we would, we weren't allowed to buy shirts that were sleeveless at all, but we could roll our sleeves up when we were in the sun. That's okay. Okay. So it's interesting, the letter of the law that I used to follow. And then I started to look back at that and say, wow, that was so weird. Why did I yeah. do like, like, why didn't I see this in the word of God before or not see it? 
All right, last ad for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they now offer service with all three major networks. That means if you're with the big three and you like the service, but you don't like their value, so you don't want to keep on sending your money there, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage with Patriot Mobile, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Their 100% US-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 878-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 878-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. So how do you explain to someone, because I see the difference, but maybe there are some people wondering this between kind of what we see in the whole deconstruction movement versus mm-hmm. how you describe it, which is disentangling. I have my own idea of how I could parse that out, but I'm curious how you would describe that. Yeah, you might be able to say it better than I do, Allie, but I will say from my perspective, it has been disentangling is totally different than deconstruction because sadly I see a ton of people deconstruction deconstructing like Joshua Harris has started this deconstruction starter pack yeah. and it's so sad it deconstructing is like when you rip everything apart tear everything down to the studs and you never build it up again in your faith and it's like we're done like I've I've ripped down all the things that I thought were true but disentangling has been a process that it does take so many years. I think even some days where I'll wake up and I'm like, oh, like I'll I'll be hit with thoughts about like what I used to believe and think, okay, well, I know what God's word says. So it's taken years of me saying, okay, well, this is what God's word says. And so I'm going to believe this, even if I was twisted, warped view of the Bible for so many years from what Bill Gothard said this verse means, from what this other church said this verse means, but going back to the context, seeing the word of God for what it truly is, walking through the Bible, just verse by verse with preaching, teaching, all of that has helped me to take apart what's true from what's false, separate. Like if your hair has putty in it, you can just cut your hair off or you can take the time to slowly pick out the putty and get rid of the putty and keep your hair. That's kind of like this weird, it's a funny little um, analogy, but that's what I feel like I've been doing throughout these years. Like um, even in parenting now, like I have two daughters and it's interesting with them, I can fall into this, well, I have the answer for everything. And then I realized, no, I, I have to rely on the spirit of God. It's terrifying raising kids when you don't have a system. Whenever it's so easy to think, oh man, I was raised in Bill Gothard's system. Let me just lean in on that. But at the end of the day, it's not going to lead to a good place. Yeah. And so I know that. And it's going back to the word of God, relying on the Lord um, to lead me and to carry me through because it's so easy to like put all of your trust in a man like I kind of did for Bill Gothard. I I would consider him like a grandfather to me. And whenever something like that shakes you, I remember when I got the call talking about him, I was like, man, like how did he fall? And, and then I didn't believe it for many years that he actually did. And, and, and what, what happened there? He was accused by more than 30 women 
of um, misconduct um, with him. And he initially said, well, maybe I had handled some things wrong. Mm. So I was so shook by that because I was like, how can he be what I thought was more of a prophet from God? How can he say this and let us down? So those types of things would shake me. But once I realized, okay, there will be many people who come in speaking words that seem good, like that seem true. They try to base it on the Bible, but ultimately at the end of the day, I have to go to the word of God for truth. And I can only, um, even though God has like given us teachers and preachers around us, um, at the end of the day, my faith and my trust is unwavering because it's in Jesus Christ and, um, God's word is true. And that's what I cling to even in the hardest days. And it has taken many years for me to come to the place where I say, okay, I fully understand, not fully understand, but like the love of God for his children is there. Mm-hmm. I'm not like under this, there's so much grace that I was missing for all of those years being raised in Bill Gothard's teaching. So this disentanglement has just been me seeing who God truly is believing the word of God, even when there's been so much confusion, confusion, and God has continued to, because he's given me the Holy Spirit, he has continued to open my eyes every day to more and more of the beauty of Christ, the loveliness of Christ, and the truth of his word has just been made known. Yeah. Well, amen. And everyone can read in more detail about all of this in your book, Free Indeed, And I'm guessing they can get it wherever, becoming free indeed, excuse me, um, wherever books are sold, right? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you for the time that I know it takes to write a book and to speak your story. That's not an easy thing to do. And um, I just, I know that this is going to help a lot of people who maybe weren't raised the exact same way as you, but... I mean, we all in one way or another have some disentangling to do. And so thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. Thanks. 